Welcome to the Solo BG Podcast. In this podcast, we talk about solo and cooperative games. We also bring you news, audio unboxings, Kickstarter updates, and interviews with amazing personalities around the industry. We hope you enjoy this episode. And now, here's your host, Derek Rodriguez. Hello, my friends, welcome and a happy new year because this is the episode, the first one of 2023. My name is Derek, and if this is your first time, well, I welcome you to Solo BG Podcast, like I mentioned, the first episode of the year. And in this podcast, we talk about board games, of course. Uh, we tend to focus a little bit more in uh, the solo experience that we get from them and the cooperative experience that we get from them. But literally, we play all types of games, competitive, you know, uh, hidden deduction and secret deduction and all deductions and worker placements, uh, solo modes, everything. So there you go. Welcome. My name is Derek and this is episode 120. Wow. Uh, We're 120 episodes already. This year is going to be the fifth year anniversary of the podcast. So I will have to think about something creative to do, something special in that way I can, you know, share this with all of you amazing listeners that have been probably since the beginning with me and to some of you that just joined it recently, well, also to celebrate you as well, because of course you're, you're a part of this. Uh, we have a lot to talk today. It's going to be only me, like, you know, in the classic format, I like to call it, how everything started. And we're going to talk about a bunch of board games. I'm currently recording on Friday, January 20. And I decided to make this first episode slightly different uh, because you probably can hear the audio difference. And um, I'm using my recorder, the, usually the console that I connect to another console with the channels and everything. In that way, I can get the audio from. Well, I'm recording now directly through that uh, audio recorder. So it catches all the ambient sound of my house. So you might hear my dogs walking in the background. Uh, you know, uh, you might hear noise right now. The Shih Tzu just passing, was passing by. But I mean, the idea is that I wanted to walk through my game room and, and you know, and, you know, just to browse and explore with you in an audio feeling. And, and yeah, I, fu- I found that this is way more comfortable for me than just sitting down in front of the microphone and, and talking. So we'll see how it goes. Now, if when I listen to it at the uh, editing part and I don't feel comfortable with the audio, well, then for the future episodes, we will go back to the, you know, basic and more professional-ish way of recording, which is with the console and everything. But anyway, enough talk about audio. Uh, Episode 120, and like, uh, we have a tradition here that we hope we go 100 episodes back and see what we talk about. And back then, we talk on episode number 20, we talk about Black Orchestra. Black Orchestra, which is a game, a cooperative game where basically shares a lot of the mechanics from Pandemic in a way, where you know you're trying to move across the board and you're going to different locations. The interesting and unique characteristic of this game is probably the theme, which is very strong in a way. Um, I like the theme, not because I'm in favor for what happened. Of course, it was horrible. But I like the theme because at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's, it feels kind of like epic and you're trying to kill the bad guy, which in this case is Hitler. And Black Orchestra, in case you weren't aware of this game, well, this is a cooperative game uh, from one to four players where basically the idea is that we're trying to kill Hitler. Uh, we are playing the roles of some um, um, Nazi people, unfortunately, that they belong to the Nazi party. Um, and... Well, we decided at some point, which the interesting part of this game is also that they all were like real people and, and you can read a little bit about their, you know, history or story with the whole events. But anyway, um, you're trying to kill Hitler either early in the stages and probably at the end of the World War II, World, World War One. I'm sorry, or towards the end of the, you know, when the World War Two was going on. But anyway, the whole idea is that you're trying to kill Hitler and you're trying to find different plots to try to kill him, right? Like you can poison him, you can put a bomb on his car, you can try to have a sniper and shoot at him. So uh, the idea is that all together, two to, like I said, if you're playing solo, you're usually going to have two characters, but two to four characters are going to be trying to get all the resources that they need in order to fulfill this plot. And you're going to be moving around and chasing Hitler and his generals, Himmler, um, and all those terrible people. 
and you're trying to kill him. That's how you win the game. And you go and go through different stages on the game, and each stage is going to have a deck of cards, and it represents basically the time from, you know, that period of time where Hitler was, uh, you know, uh, trying to bring more power to the political party, uh, we, of course, talking about the Nazis, and also how the war was evolving and how he was going to give certain, uh, you know, speeches to different places. So he will be moving all across Europe, Europe, I'm sorry, and he's going to be expanding, but it's up to you to try, try to kill him before he expands too much or before the end of the game reaches, which is at the end of the sixth um, when you go to the sixth uh, deck of cards, in that way you can kill him before that. So that's basically the whole idea. I'm basically like a pandemic each type of game. It's a game that I still have in in my collection. To be honest with you, I still have it in on my gaming library. And I played it the last time I played it. I think it was October last year. Um, I actually went to Mexico for you know some vacations, and I played with my brother-in-law, and I showed it to him, and he ended up loving it like big time, and and it was very fun. And we were able to, first we played two times first, uh, we couldn't kill Hitler, and the second time we were able to kill Hitler. So I feel like it's one of those games that, you know, you won't be, I won't be playing it very often, and I don't see people playing it very often either, but it will be one of those that you want to have in your, well, at least I want to have in my gaming library, and once in a while, just pull it out and, you know, uh, play it and see how it goes. It's like watching a movie, a movie that you enjoy once a year. So I have a couple of games like that. I can also think about, for example, uh, Planet of the Apes from IDW that it doesn't exist anymore, IDW Games. It's a, it's not like an extraordinary game by any means. It's just basically like rolling, ra- I mean rolling, right? It's like rolling with Jatsy mechanic and you're trying to, you know, go through the whole original Planet of the Apes movie. But once again, to me, it's one of those games that I like the theme and they stay in my collection just because once a year, once a year and a half, maybe once every two years, I pull it up, I have fun, and, and you know, it has good memories. So, anyway, episode number 20 was about Black Orchestra, and I always tell you, like I just mentioned it, if I keep the game still, if I kept the game, or if I sold it or give it away or or something, but in this case, Black Orchestra is still in my collection. Also, like another tradition of the podcast, I want to say hi to all of you. Um, you know, and the way I do this is mentioning the different locations or the top locations where they listened to the last episode, which was the uh, top games of 2022. You can check it out. I recorded that one with my good friend, Jonathan. Before I go into the locations and saying hi to all of you and thank you to all of you, I want to give a big shout out, big, big, big one and a big, uh, I guess, audio hug. (laughs) That's something uh, to my good friend, Tommy Ray. Uh, Tommy Ray, let me tell you a little bit, he has been a listener of the podcast and a good friend. Uh, well, he became a friend through that, but he was, he's was he been a listener of the podcast probably, I will guess, at least two to three years and maybe more, maybe since all this started. And he's always very active in social media, in our social media, Solo BG Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, mainly on Facebook. And in the past, he was very kind and sent me a copy of Black Sonata, which I haven't had a chance to play yet, but it's on my bucket list uh, to for games to play soon. Uh, Black Sonata, which is the solo game, and I'm trying to pull it out here from my gaming library, in that way I can tell you more about it, uh, is the, in case you don't know, this is a solitary hidden movement and deduction. Didn't we talk about deduction earlier? So anyway, uh, Black Sonata, A Dark Lady, uh, Shakespeare London, and 400-Year-Old Mystery. That's what we're trying to uh, fulfill in this game. I promise you I will play soon and I will give you my impressions. Um, he also recently sent a copy of Underwater Cities by Vladimir Suchi or Vladimir Suki with the expansion. He was very kind. He reached out to me and he's like, hey, Derek, I have this game that I already played. I already finished it. I already, you know, had enough of this game, but I think you will enjoy it. And he was very kind and sent a copy of the game or his copy of the game to me. Um, and I really appreciate it. So that I wanted to say thank you, Tommy. Uh, and it means a lot to me. And he also sent a beautiful letter that I will keep. It really means a lot to me when you guys, um, boys, girls, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> when you guys, um, you know, interact with me in any way, because that also helps me as a motivation to keep going and, and you know, keep this project on. Because even if, if, even if we are only a few people that we share the passion of this hobby and we like to talk about this hobby, I'm going to keep doing it. So anyway, 
I wanted to give that shout out to Tommy. Now, thank you to all of you amazing listeners. Here we are with the locations. Number one, United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, Germany, Spain, Mexico, Sweden, Greece, and Netherlands. And the cities, uh, Melbourne, Victoria, Seattle, Washington, Madrid, Madrid, Sydney, New South Wales, Montreal, Quebec, um, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Sheffield, Sheffield, uh, Canyon Country, California, uh, Mexico City, and Los Angeles, California. Thank you so much for listening um, to the last episode, and I hope you enjoyed this one as well. Now, I have something prepared for these first three episodes of the year, and this will also help me to have like, a, you know, I'm snapping my fingers, uh, like a constant thing, like every week or two weeks. So, there's three games that everyone compares and that everyone talks, well, most of the people, we talk good about those games. But which one is the best one? I was thinking about it because I enjoy these three games. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do an episode on each game. And then at the end, on the third episode, I'm just going to have the champion for all of you. And I will be like, you know what? This is the one that I like the most for solo and probably competitive. So it's going to be very hard to do, but I will do my best. Tonight's turn, however, have you probably guessed from the title, we're going to talk about Endless Winter. Paleo-American. And then in a future episode, which is going to be the next one, uh, we're going to talk either about Arnak or Dune Imperium, both with expansions, because on this uh, episode, we're also going to talk about Endless Winter, but also the Paleo-American expansions. The ca- I'm sorry, <laughs> Endless Winter, Paleo-American, the Cave Paintings expansion. Um, so each game is going to be reviewed with one expansion, and then at the end, we will have a champion. Let me grab here the box of the cave paintings in that way I can tell you more about it too, uh, especially as about as the details of what it's included in the box. Now, before we start with Endless Winter, let me tell you everything, everything that BGG has to say about the game, of course. So, let me go back here. Endless Winter 7.9 on BGG. It was released in 2022. Uh, it's one to four players. The community said that it's best with three. I will tell you my impressions in a little bit. Uh, 60 to 120 minutes playtime. The weight complexity is medium 3.19, uh, you know, from a, a scale of five. 12 year plus. It language dependence, yes. It has a lot of language dependence. Uh, and it's, it's a strategy game, basically. What, what the hell? What are we doing on Endless Winter? Well, Endless Winter is designed by Stan Kordonsky which is also the designer of um, Dice Hospital, Rurik, Lockup, and recently another game that I really enjoy, which is Resurgence. So he's, I mentioned this in the past, he's really growing into my list of top designers and favorite designers. The game is developed, however, by Johnny Pack, also known by Coloma, Sierra West, Lions of Lydia. I love Sierra West, so he's also a very, very good designer. The solo mode is by Drake Villarreal. Uh, he worked in Solani and Spook Manor. And an illustrated by the Miko, Raiders of the North Sea, Paladin of the West Kingdom, Valeria, Endless Winters. Anyway, you mentioned it. I love the art from the Miko. Um, uh, uh, Raiders of the North Sea is probably one of my favorite worker placements, pick up, get actions, and plunder, and everything. <laughs> I love Raiders with all the expansions. The only thing that I'm missing from Raiders, I have everything, but the only thing I'm missing is the neoprene mat, which I'm chasing. I'm chasing to get it. But anyway, you know that I love neoprene. Endless Winter Polyamerican takes place in North America around 10,000 B- around 10,000 BCE. Players guide the development of their tribes across several generations from nomadic nomadic hunters gatherers to prosperous tribal societies. Over the course of the game, tribes migrate to and settle in new lands, establish cultural traditions, hunt Paleolithic megafauna, and build everlasting megalithic structures. Endless Winter it's a Euro-style game that combines worker placement and deck building and in, a, in an innovative way. Innovative way? Uh, we'll see, because Arnag and Dune Imperium are also fighting and they were came out around a little bit before Endless Winter. Anyway... Uh, each round, players send their tribe members to various action spaces and pay for the actions by playing cards and spending resources. Tribe cards grant additional labor, while culture cards provide a variety of unique effects and as an alternative, cards can be saved at the end of the round for Eclipse Phase, or what is called the Eclipse Phase, which is when you're gonna, you can get, you know, move the turn order and things like that. Um, and uh, the game features a noble blend of interwoven uh, wo- systems and mechanisms, such as multi-use cards, area influence, style placement, and set collection. Plus, there are many viable paths to victory. 
<clears throat> the other games too. Uh, <laughs> after four brisk rounds, scores are tallied and the tribe with the most points, guess what? We'll win the game. Okay, uh, this was a description from the publisher from BG. Now let's open that box and uh, you will hear me here uh, probably because it's an ambient microphone what I'm using right now. I'm uh, pulling out the box of Endless Winter here out of my shelf. Let, let's have the sound of pulling out a game from the shelf. Here it goes. Let me, let's see how it sounds. There you go, it's out, and now we put it on the table. There you go, I like it, yeah. You're getting all the atmosphere. Now I'm opening the box, so let me put the microphone here for a little bit. There you go. It's open. The first thing we have, it's actually two papers where they instruct you how to uh, get the trace because this is something that this game is... Oof, well, I'm going to tell you who the champion. Hold on. Um, you get gamer trays. Who doesn't love gamer trays? I mean, I love gamer trays. And they are fantastic for all the components, sleeve cards, you name it. Because you know I like to uh, sleeve my cards. So there you go. <laughs> you can sleep. I'm opening the rule. But what are you going to get? Let's look at the contents here really quick. Uh, everything, of course, I will spoiler alert. It's good quality. You get one main board. You get four player boards. You get one animal board. You get an idle board. Yes, because this game is going to be a table hogger. On top of that, you're going to get 25 terrain tiles, which they're going to form also like an area control territory where you're going to be going you know, to put different houses or uh, campments or uh, also aka known as camps. Okay, so you're going to get those terrain tiles where they're going to give you bonus. You're also going to get four megalith tiles, which also is a little bit of area control, uh, resource bonuses and things like that. So look, one, two, three, four, five things. If you picture in a way different games that you're playing in one game so it's a table horror i actually posted a picture not too long ago uh you can go into our instagram solo bg podcast where i was playing with the cave paintings expansion and you can see the table but anyway uh we get sacred stones which there are tokens we get now by the way um disclaimer this is a retail edition i'm i didn't get the kickstarter but this is the retail which i spoiler alert i regret not getting the kickstarter you get three uh five chief cards which they're like your main guys uh you get the starting cards you get the tribe cards uh culture cards um you also get the burial card caps uh cap cards um the animal cards which they're a little bit smaller probably mini european size uh the setup cards the player aids five chief figures miniatures if you get the retail edition they come just like miniatures very good quality though but just miniatures if you get the deluxe edition or the kickstarter edition they come appreciated no worries derek you will paint the minis and if you like to paint the minis this is great too because uh you know it's only five so that could be a good project to start either if you don't paint minis well you can be like well i'm gonna start with five they're not too many it's not like when you get other games like i remember one of my first games that i painted was a street masters and oh my god it was like 200 minis but here it's only five it should go fast and you know you put some nice music some background like soundtracks and start to paint and there you go you have fun uh you get 12 villages they're very nice plastic 3d tokens you get eight tri figures there um stamped almost i don't know if this is the right term but it's stamped wooden um figures which is fantastic uh, uh 40 megaliths also stamped which is great the camps wood as well the four chief figure bases with different colors the four tribe markers different colors the eight idle markers different colors because you're going to be advancing in two different tracks the scoring markers of course, to each color, resource markers, one round marker, which is a mammoth. Now, um, there's a model that come also on the Kickstarter, which is with the mammoth. Uh, I don't have it, but I'm trying to change one because I want to try that module. And it comes with glacier token and rest tokens, which they will also help you if you want to play a more, quote unquote, advanced game with the models included. I will tell you at the end my impressions with that as well. And that's all you get, which is a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. And the components that you're going to get that you can fit in your nice game trays uh, for the game. What's going on with with Endless Winter? Well, of course, also has a solo mode. I forgot to mention the components. You get the 16 Nomad cards for the solo mode, the reference card, map card, animal scoring card, and the Nomad token if you want to play in, like I think it's called like Super Hard or Legendary or something like that difficulty, which is extreme difficulty anyway. But, 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 but... 
what's going on with Endless Winter. Well, after you set up the face hogger <laughs> and everything, you're going to go through different phases of the game, all right? You're going to go through different rounds of the game, which is four different rounds, right? And after each round on the first half of the game, which is the first two rounds, you have access to a version of cards which they only give you, uh, you know, one, two victory points in some cases, uh, but they're not as powerful. As you progress to the second half of the game, which is the third and fourth round, you get the powerful cards that you, the powerful cards that you can buy, and of course, they give you most likely two victory points each. I'm gonna try to explain the game in a nutshell because this is not a tutorial, as I always disclose, and because. Um, it would be crazy to <laughs> teach you the game through a podcast. But anyway, uh, like I told you in the description from the designer, which was very well explicit, uh, you're going to have all these boards where you can do things uh, and you can get points and you can get points in different ways and that way you can win the game. Uh, but the main idea is that you will have your two uh, characters and your chief, which is the miniature, and you're going to select a place to go. You're going to have four different auction, uh, four different options, I'm sorry, where you can go and take your actions. Now, um, the interesting thing about this game is that if you're the first one to go to one of those spots, well, you will get the benefit, an extra benefit for that round, let's say. So, for example, uh, and I don't remember the exact names. I guess I can look it up here on the rulebook. The, exam, the exact names of the locations. Uh, in that way, I can explain you with more... Um, with a more proper, I guess, name for for the game, uh, I'm going through the rulebook here just to to um, find the names of these things. Come on, where they are, where they are. And the the rulebook is nice too, by the way, and the the, uh, the quality is like here. Okay, here it goes. You can go to a place called um, Initiate, which um, if you go there, that's basically where you can recruit more people. We're going to start with five different types of people, which is five different decks, of course, that we all have access. And also the first uh, part of the game where you can get different cards that now they are unique in order to start to build your deck in a way. All right. But when you go to, in to the first one, the first part, which is initiate, uh, you can basically spend resources to get one of those, um, uh, you know, different, I mean, the guys that you can get that everyone have access to that they we will have the same. Uh, but the only thing is that you can do it multiple times or infinite times, but you have to get a different one, which is in this case, I guess it will be five times because there's only five available. Um, then you can pay food. That's the other option to bury one, one card from your hand for you play from your play area or discard pile. And it's important to bury a card because as you're burying cards, it's like you're, you know, kind of like I see it, like a sacrificing those guys or the people that are dying and you're honoring them. Uh, and, and at the end of the game is victory points as well for that, which it relates also where, where your idol is on the idol track for, for that purpose. Um, and you get as the free bonus, if you're the first one there to advance one idol and to bury another card on the second location is mainly to get the cards that now are different and they're like exposed in a kind of like in a tableau and that they give you victory points. You can also spend actions on the second place, which is the develop to get those types of cards. You can spend resources to get stones, which the stones were only going to be a limited of stone available and everybody can hold up the three stones, but the stones will be bonus points that you can gain at the end of each turn. For example, one will give you two points if you have two different types of animals. Well, if you have sets of six, you have a set of six cards, which it will be with three different animals, two of each, well, that will be three points at the end of each round. So the stones will give you bonuses. You can hold up to three, four in the whole game. And if you're the first one to go there, you get for free, uh, free resources. Now, the other location, which is Migrate, uh, is to place camps, to move the camps on the on the terrain tiles. And as, the, as a bonus, you can place a village and move the village. You're going to start the game with, I think it's five. Uh, four already on the terrain tiles, but are you unlocking those villages? Uh, you can get more benefits on the terrain tiles, so you should mostly at the eclipse phase, but also you unlock more spaces to hold more resources on your board. And the last place that you can go is to hunt. Uh, when you hunt, basically you have another tableau when you're going to be able to get some animals. Um, if you go there, you can reveal two animals, then spend resources to pick up animals. Then you can kill animals to get resources. And I'll explain a little how it works. And for free, you can get a random animal. 
So that's on the main board. Now, the interesting part, once again, is like if you are the first one to go to a section, you get the bonus as well. And we're going to be playing the game with those three characters each, the two characters and the chief. Uh, once everyone has played their, their characters, well, the round ends, and then we go into the cliff phase. Now... The other things on the game are the terrain tiles, okay? In the terrain tiles, you can play camps there. And at the end of the of the round, whoever dominates uh, each terrain, well, you will get the benefit that is usually resources or victory points or things like that. There's going to be some terrains that are called glaciers that if you play the normal game and the base game, they won't have any benefit. Now, I will tell you a little bit about the modules at the end. Um, you can also, once you have three camps uh, adjacent to each other, on three different terrains and different tiles, I'm sorry, different terrain tiles, then you can, you are able to build, uh, you know, like a bigger, bigger uh, house or camp, I don't remember what they call it, but basically you take your camps back to your tableau, you put one of your houses, you unlock benefits at the end of the round on your tableau, and you also gain more influence on those terrain tiles in case someone else has a camp there, well now having one of those bigger house, uh, you have, uh, or a tribe house, I guess, you have two influence versus one that is just by having one camp there. So that's how they work, and it's pretty cool. So kind of like an area control thing. Um, so that's in regard to the camps. In regard to the animals, uh, when you ha when you get animals, you also are going to be trying to play like a set collection game, uh, and the animals are going to they're gonna be divided by types, but if you have three or four of the same type, most likely you will get either six or ten victory points at the end of the game. Now, there's uh, some places, like when you go to hunt, where you can actually get animals, hunt animals, but you can also kill the one of them. And when you kill one of the animals, they don't score you anymore for that set collection purposes, but they will, they will give you immediate resource, resources right away. And there's some bonus stones that they will give you points for different types of animals that you have, you know, um, sacrificed. So that's also another thing, second consideration that plays hand by hand with the stones. Uh, so you have that. Then you have the idols track, which one will give you immediate victory points. Two will allow you to go and keep climbing, also giving you points. But if you're the first one to get on top, kind of like a popularity track, if we compare it to site. Um, or influence track, I guess, if you complain to Dune, or the research track, if you complain it to Arnak. <laughs> anyway, those tracks, uh, the uh, the the idol track, one of them. If you get, if you're the first one to get up, uh, then you or the highest place, the high location, you're gonna be able to score more points for every card that you um, basically buried um, on, the, on during the game. Those ones that I told you that you honor or they're dead and or you kill them, whatever you want, however you want to see it. Um, but you're going to get more points for each card of those. If you're the second one, well, you're going to get less points, and the third one, of course, less points, and so on and so forth. Uh, on the other track, which because you have two tracks, that one will allow you also to score, at the end of the game, points for resources. So, for example, if you're at the lower level, it will be like for every four resources is one point. I mean, leftover resources at the end of the game, of course. But as, as you go high on that uh, track, you're going to be able to be, well, now it's three resources for a point. Now it's two resources for one point, and so on and so forth. So those are ways advancing in those tracks to get potentially more points during the game. After each round, we're going to go to an eclipse phase. And during that eclipse phase, hand cards that you didn't play during the game, you're going to be able to place them face down. And it basically comes like a bidding game where whoever uh, is able to put more labor into this, onto those cards that you're revealing on, or you're holding on until the clip phase, you're going to be able to uh, be in a better turn order. And at the end of each round, depending on where you are on the turn order, you also get benefits that you can start to do, such, such as like placing megaliths, uh, which once you place a megalith, you get uh, resources or, or, or do certain actions or drawing cards or things like that. And then you're going to be scoring points with those megaliths because once you have four megaliths and then you place one on top, you're going to be scoring points for every color that it is. But if you're the one that placed it on top and you have more of your uh, color megaliths there, well, it's going to give you big a big chunk of points. So it, has the house, that's, it also has that mechanic of, you know, location and placing uh, those megaliths and getting, you know, uh, more and more uh, points and getting more benefits, right? Uh, what else? What else am I missing from the, everything that you have? 
in order to play your characters, I forgot to say, in order to play your, your characters on different locations, you have to pay cards, labor cards more likely. But also those cards, they will have abilities, most of them, uh, that you can play, especially from the, fa from the uh, five main characters, which we can all have the same as we are recruiting them. Uh, those ones, when you, go to, when you go to certain locations, they will give you bonuses as well. There are other cards that they're different that when you get them, how they work is that before you place a character, you can place one card and do the benefit that it tells you. If you want to play a second one like that, you have to sacrifice another one to basically do that. And if you have two cards, then you have to discard more cards and so on and so forth. Um, but that's how the cards work. So basically, the cards will have labor and have bonuses and eclipse phase, eclipse uh, be, um, stages, I guess, on the card. So it depends when you play it, right? Do you want to play it for your actions? You want to say some for the eclipse and things like that. And you're gonna do the same for foul rounds. One, now once again, this is in a nutshell. Uh, that's what you're gonna be doing. And at the end of the game, we're gonna score, like I mentioned, the resources depending on where you are on the track, uh, on the idle track. We're gonna uh, score the uh, buried cards depending on where you are on the, that racing on that idle track as well. Uh, you're gonna get points for any stones that you were able to hold those are round by round but also at the end of the game they will score uh you're gonna get points for the set collection from the animals or from any other any other bonuses that you may have and you're gonna get points also from the terrain tiles that you have more influence on because every round that's what you're gonna get and at the end of the game uh the player with more points will win also as you recruit cards during the game they will also have victory points printed once again during the first phase of the game, which is the first two rounds, most likely they will give you one victory points. During the second phase, which is the last two rounds, most likely they will give uh, you two victory points um, at the end of the game, each card. And that's how it plays. And at the end, whoever has more points will win the game. And that's in a nutshell. Now, what does the uh, Cave Paintings expansion add? Well, the Cave Paintings expansion, what it adds, it's another location which it translates to another mini game if you want to see it, which is sort of like a roll and write, but forget about the roll and you just draw. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Cave Paintings expansion. Well, this expansion brings a new action to the game. Cave Paintings players use the dry erase board to fill in spaces, draw lines, and unlock a variety of immediate and ongoing benefits. Plus, after each game, the board looks like unique animals. Look at that. If you like animals, this is for you. <laughs> and uh, well basically what it's included is like the four boards dry eraser you get also uh you know you get the markers you get cards that they're going to give ability the unique cards they're going to give like ability for the expansion purposes you get a terrain tile that it will give you benefits during the eclipse phase for that terrain tower you get also one uh, token for the glacier model which i was playing a little bit and the uh, stone or rest model which i was playing a little bit also um, terrain for the megalith uh, locations because you have to put it there you get a stone that also gets benefit that uh, correlates with the expansion and you get the horses which is a new animal that you're gonna add to the um, chunk of animals that you already have in that way when you kill those horses or when you sacrifice those horses well you get benefits to draw on your board and basically the the board you can play it in a symmetric way or isometrical way if you play symmetric you have your mammoth we all have the same um uh, layout in a way and how it, how it works is that this extra location that you go if you go uh there you can uh draw uh multiple lines by playing labor same thing and you go from the, it's going to be different dots black green red and blue so you're going to start to connect you know lines and things like that as you play for labor now the, the gimmick of this is that also you're going to need torch to see on the dark, to see on the caves, right? Inside the caves, you want to have that torch and be able to see in that way you can draw. But in order to paint, um, you know, certain color of lines, you have to play the labor and resources that they require. As you get more torch, what you do is you eliminate one of those resources. So instead of paying two resources to dry uh, a, a line from a point, from a red point, and now you only will pay one resource and so on and so forth. Once you close a section of a mammoth, you will get um, the benefit of that. Uh, and there's all the, the legs of the mammoth, once you close them, they will give you benefits on the eclipse phase. So that's basically another location and a drawing thing that you can do. Um, when I play with this expansion, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I, I think it, it, it adds another location. You substitute some of the cards, some of the five common cards that everyone can get 
with a deck of cards on this game, but it also feels like more, a little bit more complex because you have something else to think about other than the four locations, but also it feels more complete in a way. Um, but I'm going more towards my thoughts now, which I shouldn't. But anyway, how that's how this one works. So you're trying to, you know, complete your mammoth drawing. You're trying to have your torch. In that way, you can play the resources with, for the torch. In that way, you can see inside the cave. And you can get the benefits as you are, uh, you know, drawing lines in your mammoth and, and creating that mammoth painting at the end of the game. Um, you can. There's no, like, beginning of end. I mean, you can start in, in one particular dot and go from there. Uh, and everybody, everyone, even if we're playing a symmetrical uh, picture, we can all have different kind of like drawings at the end of the game because we start from different places. And most likely, not everyone will com- will complete their their mammoth unless no, it will be very hard. <laughs> but anyway, um, that's how it is, and and that's what it adds. Regarding the modules, remember that I told you we have first the glacier tokens. When I told you about the terrain tiles, you know, that is like the area control when you're placing your camps, the glacier uh, tiles, they usually don't give you any benefit. If you uh, play with the glacier token, you're going to shuffle them up face down and you're going to place them on each glacier token. As soon as you build one of those tribe houses there, not the camps, the big one, once you build that one, you flip it um, and you're going to get the benefit right away. Uh, well, actually, when you place a camp, you flip it in the way you know what it is. But once you build one of the big houses, well, you get the benefit right away instead of waiting for the eclipse. So that's with the glacier uh, model. Uh, in that way, the glaciers are worth something, uh, even if the game recommends you to play the first game without this model. The only module, the other module, which is the stone uh, module or the rest module, it's another one that adds an interesting motivation to do something in the game that I didn't explain. During the game... If you don't want to go to any location and because they're occupied already or you're not going to get any bonus or the bonuses that you wanted or you don't have resources, so whatever is the case that you cannot go to any location or you don't want to go to some location, what you can do is rest. When you rest, you also already, um, you know, investing some labor into the eclipse phase, which I think is one and a half labor. And also you are able to kill one of or sacrifice one of your animals to get the resources that I explained previously. But... That's like a boring action, right? Well, with the stone modules or the rest module, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to shuffle some tokens face down. I think... uh, Let me see what it's called because I I keep playing... It's actually called rest, yeah. So when when you're going to play with this module, you're going to shuffle all these rest tokens and you're going to place them face down on a pile on the board and then you're going to flip the top one face up so everyone can see the benefit. So when if you are the first one to rest, well, then... You're gonna choose the one that it's on top, or you can place the one that is on top if you don't like it on the face on the bottom of the pile and draw the top one randomly. And this incentivizes players to take the rest action as well and make it less boring than what it is, or less, I guess, satis- satisfactory than what it is. That's the word that I'm probably trying to find. And let me grab some air. <laughs> I think that's all that that uh, in a nutshell that comes with with uh, with the game, you know. Um, now let's go into my uh, my uh, impressions. Oh, I didn't talk about the solo mode. That's right. Let me talk about the solo mode really quick. The solo mode, the solo bot will get you know their player board. They will get their characters, uh, and they will start the the, um, the the game with some cards already on their deck. Now they don't draw a deck, of course. They're gonna use this deck for burying purposes and how it works is that they're going to draw a card which is like kind of like a horizontal and it will have different uh, columns of action so the first card will have only two columns of action and it's going to tell you where that character is supposed to be placed on their turn uh, they're going to place their character there if the, the if the space is already occupied they're going to try to find for another open space because basically what they do is that they don't care about the action on the board but they block the benefit the pl- the, the bonus that you can get uh, and then they're going to resolve the actions that it's laid out on the card. Then you're going to do your turn. And then on their turn again, on the second turn, they're going to reveal another card, and they're going to add those two extra columns to the previous one played. So now they have four actions. And once again, they're going to tell you which location they go. If it's empty or if not, they're going to try to look for an empty location, and then they're going to do the same another time. And that's how they're going to get their actions, basically. And they're going to do the same as you, you know, burying cards, going here, going there, terrain, flipping a map card, which basically tells them where to place their camps to try to build like a tribe house uh, and things like that. Now, uh, the interesting part is also that the solo mode, the cards that they are revealing, 
they will have eclipse labors already devoted for the eclipse phase. And also there's an action that allows them to draw more cards that can potentially increase their eclipse uh, bonuses or, or influence for in that way they can try to be always try to be always the first player. Why? Because the first player is the one that is allowed to place a megalith on the megalith board, which once again give you resources and potentially more points as well. Uh, the second place can draw a card. Um, the third place cannot advance one on the on the track. Fourth place can uh, get one uh, um, hammer, which is a type of resource. And then the fourth place can get food, which is the other type of resource as well. And that's how it's going to be played. It is basically imitating like another player is in the table, getting their automa deck. It, play, it plays very straightforward, pretty easy. Uh, and it's just round by round. Once you finish a round, you get all these his cards you, or her cards. You shuffle it and start again. And it plays the same way. The four, four rounds, four eclipses. You can play with the expansion. If you play with the cave painting expansions, which is something that I will tell you in a little bit, he start he or she starts with 25 victory points already because um, the the automa doesn't do anything with the painting. He doesn't hit a, a painting board, so he gets those 25 points uh, in advance from you. If you're playing normal game without the cave paintings expansion, well, he will start at zero just as you're gonna start, right? So that's the main thing, and that's in regards to models. Now, now that I told you that and I didn't forget anything, I think uh, let me tell you my impressions of. Uh, Endless Winter Polio, Polio American. I will start saying this. I regret big time not getting into the campaign of the Kickstarter because this is a game that I wanted to have and I want to have everything. I want to own everything, including the neoprene mat. Um, and, and yes, I regret on that end. I love the components on the game. The components are top-notch. Uh, the cardboard uh, for the boards are fantastic. The game trays, oh my God, I told you about the game trays. Um, it, they're just great. You can fit everything there. Um, even if you just leave the cards, everything will fit perfectly. The small cards, big cards. Uh, the box has enough space for the for the uh, um, components from the expansions. So you can basically... Um, there's two expansions already. I don't remember the name of the other one. But you can have the two expansions in the game. Everything in one box. Which is very convenient. And not a lot of publishers and designers think about that. Uh, most of these days. But... Here, um, you can do it. Components are top-notch. Game trays, fantastic. Um, you know, all that. In, as, as far as the production, production is top-notch. No, no questions there. Um, I feel like the art on the game, that's another huge plus. Um, we talk about this, the, the, the Miko. I mean, uh, Raiders of the North Sea, all that saga uh, from the North Sea, uh, you know, Viscons, Paladins. You get all the same art, which is very unique, very cute, very nice, very exciting, very inviting. And Raiders of the North Sea is one of my favorite games as well. But the art on this game, Endless Winter, is just fantastic. I love it. I appreciate it. I think it's great. It helps you for the immersion of the game. It looks very well. And once you have everything set up on the table, I mean, it looks it looks fantastic. It looks very appealing. You want to see it. You want to play. Um, and, and, and it looks very, very, very appealing uh, at least to me and to all the people that I have played with, um, in that in that end they don't say anything negative. Uh, what else? The mechanics of the game. The game involves a bunch of mechanisms, different mechanisms where you can uh, where you can use to achieve the uh, victory. Uh, and at some point, they feel like literally I mentioned this like mini games. Like okay, either you want to do the deck building thing and get points through the deck building. You want to do the area control thing by going to the megalith tiles and the terrain tiles, most likely, to get that influence of the area control game. Well, you want to uh, gain popularity in a way, I guess let's call it, and advance on the influence tracks, and that's another mechanism, right? You want to have the set collection mechanism where you uh, having the animals, you're getting sets, you're getting points. You also want to go to the bonus mechanism. Well, you get the stones, you achieve certain goals in order to get victory points. Um, with the expansion, well, the draw, you're gonna, you want to have it like a drawing, sort of like the same feeling as a roll and ride, but without the roll. Um, uh, mechanism, well, now you have the cave paintings as well. Um, you want to do combos, well, you, there are certain cards that you can combo with by getting benefits, you get resources, then you spend those resources and things like that. You want to have a worker placement, well, you get the workers placement with bonuses if you're the first one to go. Um, you want to have an out, you want to have an auction mechanic, well, you can have the me mechanisms uh, during the eclipse phase 
when you're trying to bid for a better turn order to be the first one to choose in that way no one take that benefit away that you're looking for or also on the other hand uh you know to also do that bonus action because being the first player gives you better bonus bonuses at the eclipse phase i'm sorry so it has all these mix of mechanics all together um so that's you know the first time i played it which it was a three-player uh, experience i was like it's too much you know i mean it's like wow uh, I feel like it has more mechanisms for sure than than the other games that we're going to compete, uh, that we're going to have the competition with. But once you grab it and grasp it, which is not hard, then it doesn't become that complex in a way. And you can definitely see the pattern. Okay, like now I want to do this. Well, I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do this. Okay, because of this. But if I go here, I will I will get that on the Eclipse phase. Then next turn, I can go here. Now I can place my Megalith. If I play my Megalith, I'm going to get two resources, which I can spend by this card, because this card requires me to food to play this. Then I can kill the animal. Then I can... I mean, so there's a bunch of things that you can... That they integrate together very well. That at the beginning, once again, if you don't know when you're learning the game, is like too much. But then once you see how they integrate, it doesn't feel like too much, if that makes sense. Um, that's something that it can be a little bit of caveat on the game. Because um, that's where um, I think they did a very smart way by uh, having some things as a modules. In that way, they don't come all together in the game. Because if you ask me, I think the game, would I play the game without or with the modules? With the modules, 100%. I think the game without the modules is a little bit weak, to my opinion. I think, I mean, in, in, in doesn't it's not weak. It doesn't feel 100% complete. If you put the modules there, it feels complete. Now, with the Mammoth module, which I haven't played, but I have seen, I think it's even better, even better. Uh, and with the Raft expansion, that's why it's called the Raft expansion, it's probably going to be even more complete, which is more than 100% of what it what it is or what it's meant to be, but it's that's great in a, in a positive way. So... Uh, I really liked how they did with the modules um, and expansions, of course, but the modules more than anything that you have these extra thing, extra twist, extra gimmick, extra mechanisms that you can experience in a better way, like the resting tokens, right? I wouldn't play with the resting tokens because you're getting more incentive to go and rest and, and, and sacrifice your animal because you also get a bonus from the token. So that's a big thing for me. I think it's, I think I love what they did very smart with the modules. Um, would I play with the cave expansion? Definitely. Definitely I would play with the cave painting expansion. It's fantastic. And you know, my friends, that I'm not a big Roll and Ride fan, but this is fantastic. I mean, it's just adding more to the game that is already very good. Uh, yes, probably the downside is that it could add for some players more complex thing or more complexity i guess if that's a word um but i mean it's definitely a hundred percent convenient it's definitely fun uh it gives you more variety of gearing points because also you're gonna get points through the cave paintings on depending how much you draw from that mammoth if you, if you complete the the painting is you're gonna get more points so that's another aspect of the game that i really like and once again i'm glad that it was an expansion because once again if you add all these I mean, it would be like a, for a lot of audience, it would be like very chaotic, complex game. And I like how they did it in a way that kind of like a hybrid way of like, okay, you get the base game, which is still is complex and very strategic, but you can add this and you can add this and you can add that. And that on top of the production, I think it's great. How does it work solo? I already explained the, 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 the game flow. Now, does it really make you feel like you have another character there? I think it does. I think it really does. And I think it's a very smart way to do it. I mean, I couldn't see it either other way to play this game solo. I mean, this would I, I'm happy that is they didn't create something like, oh, you have to beat your own score. And it's like, I don't like when they do that. Here, when, when, when a solo mode, is a, it's another player there. And it actually makes you feel like you're playing with someone. And they're actually, you know, advancing on the victory points. And you're winning or you're losing. It gives you that feeling like, oh man, I have to <clears throat> double my efforts here and I, pro I need to, he's, he or she's going to block me next turn and this and that. So it almost makes you think like you're with someone, really, literally. So the solo mode, it's very good. It's very solid. I think it's great. Um, would I recommend this game strictly for solo players? A thousand percent. A thousand percent, yes. Because it's very solid because it, I mean, 
I'm telling you, it's another player there with you at the table. Um, does he play good to players? He plays good to players. Does he play good to players? He does. Does he play good for players? Yes. The only downside that when you're playing four players is that now it tends to feel more chaotic in my experience. And it goes more from the this is awesome fun to the more chaotic part. So with that being said, I think the sweet spot for the game will be, if you're playing competitive, it will be three or two players. Uh, because I think, once again, that four players, um, it feels more chaotic. Also, I think it's a little bit unfair for four players. I, well, I guess it depends on the table, but it will be very hard. So this game uh, has um, also, as a, I think it's on its nature, and it's hard to, to avoid. But even if he's built in a modular type of way that you can have one one um, uh, one board facing one direction, the other board facing the other direction, that way it can be even or fair among the amount of players. I think it's also hard because even if you do that, well, the tableau or the or the track or whatever it is that is in front of you, well, most likely you will tend to do that because it's there and you can have more. Um, you know, control over it just by visualizing all the options versus that it's something, it's a card, for example, if a card is far away or uh, different options of cards far away from where you're sitting, well, most likely you won't go for that or you will have to stand up or take a picture of the cards or something and, and go from there. So I think that's something that is like, um, you know, like a, like a con for the game. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I cannot see how you can avoid it. And that's why I think um, if, if you have three players, well, most likely will be one facing the whole board and then two on the sides. I mean, that should be better. If you're playing two player games and your, your uh, table allows it, either one in front of the other in a, in, in a table that is not that big, I guess, in that way they all can see nice how everything on the board, or they can sit side by side. If you're playing like on a, on like, like on a dining room table or something like that, right? On a Costco table, whatever. Um, so that, that's why I think, Solo is great. One is uh, two players is works great. Three players work great. Four players is probably my least favorite way of playing this game. Uh, with the modules, I definitely like. I say I wouldn't play without the modules. I just wouldn't. The glacier mod module I think is fantastic. I definitely see once again why they don't include it to begin with. I mean, it's it's included in the game, but they tell you you know that it's a like a variant. I definitely see that, but I mean. Once you play the game once, I feel like you're gonna be okay. Now let's play the game with um, with the glacier model, with the rest tokens module, and if you have one of the expansion, probably, or if you have both, you will probably would like to play with both expansions. If you are up to a very um, even, even if the game is not telling you story, I mean, it feels immersive and epic for because of the production, the art. And what you're doing and, and how it, how it's feeling like you know you're going to explore you're going through different phases on a winter and trying to get resources and all the stuff so it does feel thematic on that way even if it does have a like a like a narrative at all or any flavor text either on the cards I mean it's just you know like Rivers of the North Sea but once again the game is so well produced and the art is so well done that integrates very well with the mechanics that it's telling you a story. Or it's easy. It's very easy to let your imagination go and create that. I can. I guess like a immerse immersion or or almost like a story in your head of what you're doing and what's going on during the game. Uh, so those are my thoughts in Endless Winter. If I have to rate the game going from zero to five, I think Endless Winter for me, man, poof. <laughs> Endless Winter for me with the basic game. The basic game. All right, let's let's do this. the basic game without any modules, without any expansion, just the basic game. I think for me, it would be probably around uh, four on the on the four out of five for sure. With the modules, with the two modules, <laughs> it would probably go up like to a four point three, kind of give it or take four point three. Uh, then if we add the expansion the cave painting suspension it goes up all the way to 4.5 um i have the feeling like once you play with the mammoth and the rift it will be very close to the five out of five uh if not to say 4.8 out of five so i think for now for now without the um the uh rafts expansion and, and without the mammoth module i have to play this game 
have to place this game, you know, on, on, on that rating on the 4.5 out of 5. Um, I think it's an excellent game I, and the solo mode works fantastic. Like I said, a thousand percent, I will recommend it for the solo mode, extremely for solo. And for two players and three players is just, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a party here. So, uh, it's just great. And yeah, that was Endless Winter from Fantasia Games. I actually didn't, now that I'm thinking about it, no, I, I, I did mention the publisher, which is uh, Fantasia Games. And I don't remember the designer. Yes, I did as well. Um, so whew, we already 55, epi- 55 minutes on the episode. As we're wrapping up, that's my score. Five, I mean, sorry, 4.5 out of 5. Highly recommended for solo. Highly recommended competitive. Do I prefer to play it either way? Um, I don't mind because I feel the same. I feel the same if I play it with two or three players or if i play it solo in a good way it feels the same to me because it's very well done it's very solid and it's just fantastic uh soundtrack for this game <laughs> that's another so- another section that we should add to the to the game to the episode right or to the podcast that uh, the soundtrack for the game soundtrack for this game is just my board game soundtrack which i have a bunch of mixtures of nes soundtracks super nintendo soundtracks and movie soundtracks and all that stuff uh, i will I, soon i will share this uh the link of that uh board game soundtrack that i use for generic games um in probably in the in social media the way you guys can check it out as well from spotify if you have access to spotify but anyway any soundtrack will work <laughs> well with endless winter uh and that's it and of course a glass of wine or a, or a beer or a uh, my favorite old fashions. Well, you can if you make a good old fashioned, you can have fun with endless winter. That was it. It was once again episode 120. Thank you so much. Are we starting as we are starting 2023? For me, it's a very, 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 very special year. Probably the most special year of my life. In the future, you will know why. Um, but uh, here is endless winter. Here is solo BG podcast episode 120. Uh, next week, next episode, it's gonna be either Arnak with the expansion or Dune Imperium with the Immortality expansion and in that way each game has one expansion and we're gonna play with those expansions and those games and see who is the winner and like always until next time see you through the speaker and at the tabletop drink tequila spit summer at a Mexican bar Crockett and I'm driving my car Maybe life is simple and I'm making it hard Maybe I should separate my brain from my heart Drove my motorcycle, breathe fumes on I-65 Texas Rose Nowhere left to go Good.